is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome to ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanisha. want to just say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. And remember, we're free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star review. Today's episode of ATL Day Ones brought to you by Bet Online. We have a lot of good stuff on board for today. What's going on with Trey Young? And Falcons Panthers play tonight. But can they at least get in the way? of Derek brown and last but not least in for the culture father-in-law of a former cincinnati Bengals sold a two billion dollar lottery ticket Ooh, i don't know about you but i wish he sold it to me but before we get into all that we have to talk start off by talking about the atlanta hawks they lose last night to the utah jazz 125 to 119 and t one of the things that i kind of noticed they got off to a really slow start as far as shooting the ball. They mm-hmm. kind of stuck stuck around going into halftime. And then one of the things that you saw that in the third quarter, that's when the Hawks finally started to find the rhythm and they got into it. But what do you think were some of the things that Nate McMillan did to, to make those, those halftime adjustments? Right. I think he really just kind of got back on those guys about their philosophy on defense. You know, this is a team which – you would never think that the Hawks would be in a conversation as the team that has the best defense against perimeter shooting because how many times Lord. in this season have we gone, oh, dear God, here we go again, here we go again. Close out, close out, close exactly. out, please, please, please. In the third quarter, you saw the closeout. You saw why, why they have been able to keep teams in the 30 percentile range for uh, hitting from deep. On the other hand, 46.3% is what the Jazz ended up shooting last night. And the reason I point that out is because eventually those shooters are going to shoot and they're going to keep shooting and keep shooting regardless of if you come and hound them. And and the Hawks really did have legitimate contested shots. But again, the Jazz are a very, very interesting team in that they can create their own shot. So when they start literally, when it's a catch and shoot situation and they're catching and shooting and you're a step or even a second behind, that's what you started to see as the third quarter wore on. And that's definitely what you started to see in the fourth quarter. But again, I think the adjustments that Nate McMillan made was literally to say, hey, this entire team cannot roast us from deep. The Hawks heeded the call and they gave it as much as they could. But it was just one of those nights where, I mean, your bigs especially, Markinen and Olenek were just out there from deep going, throw it to me. I'll shoot. Throw it to me. I'll shoot it again. I'll shoot it again. I'll shoot it again. And it's kind of hard for your twos, your threes, and even your fours to be out there and definitely your five. But it's kind of hard for your bigs to counter that by going out to the perimeter to try to defend that shot. You know what? And and that's the thing. Don't forget about the other guy with two first names, Walker Kessler. You know, that dude. Yeah, there's uh, always Kessler Walker, whatever whatever his doggone name is. He was absolutely just going at the Hawks down low and you know and you just when you think about the offensive rebounding right that's always been an issue not boxing out and not being Mm -hmm. getting guys off away from the board so they can go ahead and get the rebound and get the outlet and start trying to push the ball to kind of get some type of momentum but when you think about the adjustment that they made coming out of halftime right they start closing out 
Yeah. And those guys started to miss those shots and they just mm -hmm. kept shooting. And the Hawks just took advantage of it and they were able to go on a nice run. And but I think once you got into that fourth quarter though, T, that's when they started to make those shots because yeah. those they, they were contested. And mm -hmm. but you know, Laurie Laurie Marker didn't start looking like Dirk Nowitzki out here. I'm just like why is this dude on his third team, and, and, and why is this dude looking like this? You know, against the Atlanta Hawks, man. And I, and I, yeah, the right, right. You know, and, and that's the thing. That's what. That's why I asked the question. I'm just like, this dude is always kind of had glimpses of this, right? But I think right now, what Will Hardy is doing for the Utah Jazz, and I think you got to kind of give him credit. And Dejounte Murray gave him credit, gave uh, Will Hardy credit as well after the game. He was just saying like, I'm not surprised, like. This is a well-coached team. Will yeah. Hardy knows what he's doing. He said, as an assistant for the Spurs, I knew that one day this day would come that this guy would be out here having success because nobody expected the Jazz to come out was starting with eight and three or right. you know and to start the season. Nobody nobody predicted that. So I think that the the Hawks kind of ran into a, a bust off, so to speak, uh, you know, in that fourth quarter because they they the, the shots they were missing in the third. They start making those bad boys in the fourth quarter. And, and speaking of, you know, just making shots, uh, Trey Young, um, T, uh, he was he was bad last night uh, overall. Like, he's he hasn't got off to a, a pretty good start. He was 36% shooting last night, 36% shooting last night, and he's shooting 37.8% on, on, on the season. And that's the worst in the NBA among players with at least 150 attempts. T, What's going on with, with the kid? Well, I want to take a step back and just clarify something. When I was saying Laurie Markkinen has their number, like I meant he has the Hawks number, not necessarily, like, doesn't matter what Not in the NBA, team. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, thank you for that. So I just want yes. to make sure you guys understood what I meant by my, my calling out of him. But Indeed. actually, the call out for Trey might be a call out for the Hawks overall, which may also be why I'm not super concerned about his percentage. I think right. that when you really have any level of increased commitment to a side of the ball that you don't play on, a side of the court that you don't play on, something is going to have to, I mean, something's going to suffer. So it's right. to me, it's his his field goal percentage, his three-point percentage, because Lil Scrappy might not be getting it done every night on defense, but the effort is there. The effort oh, is different. far more than Most it was last year. So if you ask me, yeah. if I want Trey Young I've said this all the time. I don't want 30-point tray. I'm good with 22, mm. 24, 26-point tray because that tray probably has a double-double in points and assists and also mm. probably Sneaky has some steals, maybe two or three, and probably has three to five rebounds. So I'm okay because I keep looking at the whole box score and I'm still overall pleased with the box score. But I will say this, that I think Trey might be a microcosm of what is going on with the Hawks because again, they put in so much defensive intensity in that third quarter that it makes you wonder like, hey, they're gonna, from a pers perseverance perspective, an intensity perspective, it just kind of wears you down after a while. But I right. think as the team overall starts to embrace and get accustomed to two-way play, I think we're going to see two things. I think we're going to see them to be able to use the same energy that they close out on in the third quarter and do that in the fourth quarter. And I think we'll see the same for Trey Young. Yeah, and, and like I said, I'm not, I'm, and I'm with you because I'm not too concerned about it because, like I said, when you start to, talking about changing your identity, you're gonna have have those struggles, but you know they're still off to a pretty doggone good start. T, you know what I mean. So I, I think that yeah, you, if you're looking at it from a 
uh, super close view as we do mm-hmm. each and every day uh, covering these Atlanta sports teams. We kind of have to take a 30,000 foot view and look at it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know Trey is struggling, but look at how the team playing. They're playing together and they're playing as a team. The defense is playing better and they're still trying to figure out who's going to be the guy to come off the bench to be that score. Yeah. AJ Griffin looks like he's going to be that guy and we know what Bogey can do. He just has to be healthy. So I, I think once those two things start to come into play, I, I think mm-hmm. we can we can kind of start really getting a good evaluation of, of where this team is going forward, going forward and where they will be potentially in the East at the end of this season. Mm-hmm. Now, Speaking of where what teams want to be, where do the Braves want to be? Atlanta, Alex Anthopoulos, we all know, we've been talking, we even talked about during the season as far as what was going on with Dansby Swanson. Will he sign? Will he, he won't sign? Well, Alex Anthopoulos got started yesterday. He uh, traded uh, Jake Odorizzi for Kobe Aller and some cash. Now, just to give a quick little insight into, you know, this, this deal, the Braves actually gave $10 million in cash to the Rangers in order for, to take them, and then they end up saving about two and a half million mm-hmm. uh, in salary uh, uh, for for the twenty twenty three season. So um, obviously, this is not the first, the last deal of the of, of the off season, T. But do you expect more moves like this, or do you expect uh, one or two moves that we'll be sitting up here looking like, dang, double A pulled that one off? Yeah. With Alex Anthopoulos, I'm going to go with one or two more moves of, wow. Okay. Raise yeah. pulled that off. I do wow. think you'll still have some small moves like this that are interspersed. And I know some people are like, head scratcher, why? And why are we bringing Kobe Allard back? But <laughs> trust me, Alex Anthopoulos is always on mission. So something. he knows something. He's up to something. Yeah. <laughs> we may not see right now that literally – sent Odorizzi out of here. It wasn't just about getting rid of him, by the way. It was really just kind of, like you said, saving some cap space and kind of preparing, I believe, for free agency overall. Because guess what? Hot stove is heating up today. Free agency is opening today for MLB. And don't think that that move just ahead of today by Alex Anthopoulos was coincidental because there's still some issues in that outfield that we can't look away from. And should the team lose Dansby Swanson, Alex Anthopoulos has probably already been out there researching to see, okay, what kind of deal would I have to make so that if I'm in a similar situation where I had Freddie Freeman in place and I knew I had to get Matt Olson to replace him because I saw Freddie going out the door, mm-hmm. he already has been through that cycle once. He's not going to get caught off guard. And he did a fine job in, in replacing Freddie, but yeah. I believe he's even going to be more proactive in getting it done this time. Yeah, and... and- like there are some options out there that shortstop position but like you said they don't sign dansby they're gonna have to cut the check regardless so yeah you know, like so they're gonna have to choose choose wisely and i think you know like you said i'm a, i've i trust alex anthopoulos like y'all can look at me crazy if you listen to this podcast i get it Jarvis, you crazy you dumb i don't get it but you know hey look at the results world series uh end up winning the division last year when nobody thought that was going to go down and all these rookies coming in doing their thing mm-hmm. hey well I, I i'm cool with it i'll be paying attention to the hot stove to see if that bad boy hot and i'm sure it probably will end up be at some point in time for the atlanta Braves. now the atlanta falcons play carolina panthers tonight on thursday night football we're going to discuss whether or not they can at least pinch 
Derek Brown. But first, we got to talk about betonline.net because it is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Ooh, you find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, Combat Sports, Esports, and even golf. Got everything you need. Now, going and checking out this website, right? BetOnline.net, T. I've been searching, looking, trying to see what's going on. Seems like we got a little movement on this on this money line, right? It's mm-hmm. minus two and a half. Mm-hmm. Falcons are, whoo, man, favored by two and a half points on the road against the Carolina Panthers. Now, are you trying to figure out what you're trying to what you're trying to do? What you're trying to bet? Hey, mm-hmm. there's a storm coming. Are you are you trying to look as the rain to being a factor? Uh, this four over and under is 41 and a half points. Are they gonna score that many points? Are they gonna have that many possessions? Guess what you can do? Go to betonline.net because it continues to be the top online source for all your sports wagering information, live in-game betting. If you want to if you into that type of stuff, scores and podcasts. You gotta listen to us. For all your ATL sports information, go there for your bet, bet, betting information. They have podcasts ready and waiting just for you so you can go make some money. So head on to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today because Bet Online is where the game starts, T. Yes, the game actually starts right up. I-85 tonight, the rematch from 10 days ago between the Falcons and the Panthers. Of course, the Falcons were on the winning side of a crazy game that went into overtime, 37-34. And part of what brought that game to overtime, at least on the Panther side, was the play of one Derrick Brown, who had 12 tackles, five of those solo, a half a sack, and a, a tackle for loss. However, Jarvis. Those stats really don't tell the tale of how disruptive Derek was. So yeah. we have that that you know kind of cliche statement in sports where we say, "Hey, you cannot stop so and so. You can only try to contain." So I'm going to ask you, how might how might the Falcons figure out how to maybe contain Derek Brown? Maybe uh, is it a draft going on? This morning, <laughs> I'm trying to find live results of the NFL. Uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, um, the uh, supplemental draft. There's a supplemental draft going on right now for for the Atlanta Falcons. But no, but all seriousness though, I think that you know, Drew Dahlma has to play a little bit better. Uh, I think that's a start, and then I think that Kobe Gossett, who's going to be coming um, starting in place of Matt Hennessy, mm-hmm. who uh, who went down last week, and he's on IR. We found out that he's on, on been moved to the IR this week. Uh, a lot of double teams, T. A lot of double teams. If, if, if you think that Drew Dahlman has him and you're thinking about going up to that next level, Kobe, uh, stay right there. Yeah. Hold what you got. <laughs> because uh, you you, um, you have to expect Rashawn Evans like, hey, Rashawn, um, you're going to probably have to get off that block this week because – we got to handle this up first because mm-hmm. that's your immediate threat. When, that, when you're talking about an interior defensive lineman getting 12 tackles, T, yes. I'm talking about third and shorts. You're just going back and looking at the film, you see third and short or, mm-hmm. or, or maybe even fourth down um, mm-hmm. when they went, went forward or have, might have gone forward. But yeah. on, definitely on third and short, you just see Derrick Brown just moving Dalman right onto the ball. Yep. And as soon as the running back gets right there and the, he makes the, make, the running back make a decision, boom, mm-hmm. he immediately right get there. rid of him, make the tackle, put him down right there. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, 
you know, or punting, you know, those are the type of things that you can't have consistently. Now, Derrick Brown, like you mentioned, Derrick Brown is an excellent football player. He's mm-hmm. great. Coming out of Auburn, I thought he was probably one of the best defensive tackle coming out in that particular draft class. However, like you have to have in certain spots, in certain moments, you got to make sure there is a concerted effort in your mind. Mm-hmm. Both of you guys, center, left guard, hey, we know if we're running this play this way, we're running this outside zone this way, mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that Dalman has his both of his hands on him and his butt between the, the man and the ball and the running back, you know, on that particular play before I go up to that next level and try to get up to that, um, to Shaq Thompson or, or whoever the uh, Panthers may have waiting on him. So I think that's the main thing. You got to make sure that you're it's top of mind that, hey, if I'm helping out Drew, I got to make sure that he has him before I, I move on. Yeah, agree. And on the and the good thing about this is on some level, the Falcons were able to still get it done because right. they yep. still had 137 yards right. on the ground. And Marcus Mariota still had around 232 yards, I believe, in the air. So there mm-hmm. were still some ways that they were able to neutralize Derrick Brown on some level, and they won the game. Right. It's just a matter of, just like anywhere else, I'm sure Steve Wilkes and company were sitting down trying to figure out how to retool it so that they're on the winning side. So you want to look at, like you said, adjustments, maybe just minor tweaks that a Drew, Drew Dahlman has to make and that a Colby Gossett has to be prepared for. And then on the flip side, you look at what the Falcons have to prepare for. The Panthers didn't go off on the ground nearly as much as the Falcons did, but that may be because their quarterback had just a slightly better game, so to speak. Yeah, um, just a little bit, yeah. Just a little bit than Marcus Mariota. But yeah. the reality still is that Dante Foreman did have 118 yards and just and three touchdowns. Three right. touchdowns in that Come game on. 10 days ago. So you really want to look at him as well and say, hey, on the flip side, what does the Falcons defense, what does Dean Pease have to do in order to neutralize their ground game? To be honest with you, guys just have to get off the block, get off blocks, T, because a lot of times what, it, what you see on, on, on watching this team on film is the fact mm-hmm. that they just get comfortable with, hey, poop, locking out, you know, trying to wait until the ball gets there and then they try to shed the block. No, y'all need to try to get upfield, get, get some penetration and, 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 and make those offensive linemen move their feet because – they just get in there, get engaged, and they don't can't find ways to disengage to be able to make tackles. And all you see in guys being blocked and taken to the ground because they reach in trying to make blocks, and mm-hmm. and they and they running back is skiing on to the to the next level. And, and by the time he gets there, it's too late. Yeah. When you think about trying to what what it takes to, to stop a run game, because you have to reset that line of scrimmage, right? And you do that by getting that penetration. And I'm charging Grady Jarrett this game too. Mm-hmm. I think this is a big game for him because yeah. he got he he was neutralized last week. Now, granted, there was he was going up against an excellent offensive line, a young, good, the young offensive line as mm-hmm. well. Um, the interior offensive line for the Chargers yeah. are pretty solid. So yeah. I think that you know I'm not def, I'm definitely not down him for not having one of his what we used to seeing on mm-hmm. on, on film as, as far as how that goes but I, I do think that it starts with the interior i think take one graham it's time for him to kind of like hey man come on we need you this is your strength right this is this your strength is stopping the run that's your, that's what you excel at that's what you need to continue to do and show that and those two guys grady and take one i think it's gonna this is gonna be a big game for them because yeah. 26 carries for 118 yards and three tubs that is unacceptable. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, absolutely unacceptable. And what else is unacceptable is if all you do is check out ATL Day Ones and you don't stop by Locked On Sports Today. Now, Locked On Sports Today, that should be at least your second listen after you listen to us or watch us as well. Because if you want the biggest stories of the day overall, instant reactions, big game recaps, and their version of For the Culture, which they call Take of the Day, then you need to check on Locked On Sports Today. Now, where can you get it? It's available on the Odyssey app. It's available on YouTube. And of course, wherever you download your podcast, wherever you download us, download them as well. Again, check out Locked On Sports today because, of course, we're going to give you the picture right here for the Falcons and for the NFC South, but they are going to give you the bigger picture of the NFL and sports overall. Now, Jarvis, you mentioned something that is a good point. Look at Taquan Graham. And of course, you know, TQ had that um, untimely fumble. In the game mm-hmm. last week, I'm sure he's going to look to redeem himself. And like you said, when you look at TQ's and Grady's numbers uh, last week, they had a, com- uh, excuse me, 10 days ago, rather, they had a combined 11 tackles and only three for loss. So, yeah, they definitely have some room for improvement. And I expect it to be better for them tonight. Also looking for some improvement for Marcus Mariota and Kyle Pitts. That is something that we continue to say. We're talking about Kyle Pitts basically at this point, Jarvis, being about 200 yards under where he was a year ago. And granted, we know it's not all about yardage, but 200 yards relative to where you were at this point last year is disconcerting. And then again, when you look at the numbers in terms of what they were able to do in that game, that was one of the better games. That was Kyle's best game where he got his first touchdown this season. Um, on U.S. soil, that is. He Uh, had five catches for 80 uh, yards, if you will, and he actually had nine targets. But again, Jarvis, when you're looking at what Kyle Pitts is able to do and how he and Mariota still haven't quite gotten in sync, how can they maybe beckon or harken back to what they did 10 days ago and make that even more productive tonight? I I think that, first of all, you have to start off by establishing the run game, right? And I think that him being a first that first option coming off that play action it, it helps as well because i think marcus Mariota has done a really good job of that coming out of that play action yes. off the success of the run game and hitting that finding that first target he's been he's been done well with that with um drake london as well mm-hmm. uh, and i think those two those two the guys you kind of have to get the ball to them in the same manner right you know yeah. being that first read coming off of that play mm-hmm. action or if you're doing straight drop back which they don't do that much right but i i think that when they do do it it, it definitely needs to be like i said a simple read you know first mm-hmm. uh, first read if it's not there I'm, I'm taking off or if mm-hmm. it, if the first read is not there i'm checking down to my running back tyler yeah. Algier, he's shown that he can be able to you know catch the ball out of the backfield mm-hmm. and make a play and make people miss or run through people um so i, I think that it's just a matter of continue to do what they do yeah. but and it starts with the run game if they have mm-hmm. success in the run running the football like they did last time they played the carolina panthers down here at mercedes-benz stadium i think they can find kyle pitts coming off that play action because those linebackers fly up when when the Falcons are running the football well, and I think that that's all you need is those running backs to take that that half a step or a, a, a step towards a, a full step towards a line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. and then Kyle Pitts can easily get behind those guys, and you can find them find them find them in either one of those windows. Yeah, I'll definitely be interested to see if KP is indeed the first read for Mariota because I do want to see if we get an opportunity to maybe take a peek into what worked a week and a half ago and what I think can work even more effectively tonight. Now, speaking of effective, as you guys know, 
Jarvis and I are always looking for whatever can make us effective in our healthy living pursuits. Yes, and you know that yes. starts and stops for us with Bill Bar Puffs. So if you haven't had them yet, that's a you issue. But we have had them. And hopefully it won't be a you issue anymore. And it'll be your new favorite, particularly the cookie dough chunk puffs. They are pretty light. They're chewy. And listen, the reason we like them so much is in addition to them being 100% real chocolate, we're talking about just 160 calories in a bar, but more importantly, 15 grams of protein that's pretty easy to digest. So I think you guys should just go ahead and snag a box. You should go to their website and check it out. So listen, we're talking about a 15% off discount as well. I know you love to hear that. And if you go to build.com just after you watch this show and you put in the locked on 15 code, you're going to get 15% off that order. Again, that's locked on 15. Go ahead and plug that into built.com and go on this healthy journey with us. Yeah, and we th appreciate you guys for going on the journey with us to almost getting us to 5,000 subscribers. We are so, so close. So please, if you are listening or watching this podcast, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Or, you know, if, you, if you're if into the audio piece, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. The more five-star reviews we get, the more people find out about what we got going on right here on ATL Day Ones, part of the Lockdown Sports Atlanta family. So, yeah. Go ahead and join the cool kids and stop <laughs> being lame and, and go and hit that subscribe button. So, yeah, but T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, and the culture. And sometimes, whatever the hell we want to talk about, because that's just how we get down on the show. Today is no different. Now, this is probably about the coolest story that I'll probably come across, because when you think about, you know, a, a defensive lineman playing in the NFL, play for, you know, play for a few years in the league, you know, earn his, earn his keep. He was actually a Demata Pecco, you know, played in, for Cincinnati from 2006 to 2016. Well, T, you know, we know he made some good, some decent money in the NFL. You know, he's good, chilling. But uh, his father-in-law sold the $2 billion lottery ticket, and he owns a L.A. County gas station where the winning ticket got sold. So check this out. Not only did he sell the ticket, and you know, like, man, what did he get? He got $1 million reward for selling the ticket, T. So father-in-law, good. He don't need no more money from DeMar Pecco. How about that? Like being able to sell the ticket, not only sell the ticket, which is pretty cool, even if you don't get anything, but getting a nice little $1 million reward. You know, what I look, in what world am I saying a million dollars is a little? Like, like right. I don't have the right to say that, do I? <laughs> no, because that's not <laughs> 99.9% of us in this entire yes. world. Yes, it did. So, yeah, but you're right. D Lyman, he's good because, hey, he got past his four years, so therefore he has his pension at the end. Mm -hmm. So he is good to go from that perspective. But father-in-law is good to go as well because, yes, anytime you sell that winning ticket, you are going to get a cut for selling the winning ticket. But he's also going to eat well because now everybody knows that his little LA County gas station sold the winning tickets <laughs> right. and there's a gas station locally in Austin. It's like right off of the, um, the trail over on Floyd road. Okay. And that, that particular gas station has actually sold multiple winning tickets over the years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he's the, the owner has talked about how he's been able to, you know, right there off that silver comet trail, how he's been able yeah. to get a boost in his business because people are always there trying to get another winning ticket, the next winning ticket. Of course, and let's yeah. face it, most of us aren't gonna go to the convenience store or the gas station without 
get gas or buying something on the inside. So, hey, LA County father-in-law, you're winning too. It's a good look. It's the million dollars. It's the publicity from all of these outlets that know that you sold it. And then it's everybody else who's going to come there, hoping, wishing, praying that they are the next person to get the winning ticket from your station. Absolutely. So if you're out in Altadena, California, go on, check out Joe's Service Center gas station. You know, never know. You might be able to get that big boy ticket. And I don't think it's going to be a billion dollars anytime soon. But uh, but hey, you talking about 800 million, 300 million, it don't matter. Like, it's a lot more than what I have right now. 100,000. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no doubt. Yeah, it could be fifty. Like, exactly. like we'll make it work. <laughs> so grateful, like yeah, so much graciousness, so much gratitude, so much everything. Yeah, we will not be looking side eyed and getting caught up in comparison culture, saying, "Oh wow, he got two billion. No, no, no. No, no. I will be so grateful. We are so grateful for you. For listening to ATL Day Ones and making it your first listen of the day, why don't you go ahead and check out Locked On Sports today? They got all the big headlines. They hitting the bad boys hard. And speaking of hard, they have they have the take of the day. So you never know who might show up on that bad boy. Tanisha might show up on that bad boy because y'all trying to check are trying to check for us about how we we cover the Atlanta Falcons. Or you might hear Mark Zeno up here on with his hot take behind out there doing his thing. And you know my main man. John Chucker, he's out here dropping hot takes each and every day right here on this channel. So Locked On Sports Today is available wherever you download our podcast. And make sure you go check them out because we got a lot of good stuff going on for you. Now, T, we know the Falcons uh, played the Carolina Panthers tonight. What's your, what's, your, what's, your good, what's your good telling me before we get out of here? Yeah, I think Falcons are going to pull this thing out. I really, really do. So I'm excited about that. I think the Hawks also are going to bounce back. I think it's lesson learned. And yeah, we know they're going to maybe have their legs going to be a little bit tired, but I do think they'll pull it out because they want to end the home stand on a winning note. And guys, the hot stove is heating up in MLB. Yes. So of course, if anything happens with the Braves, we're going to download with you tomorrow on that, along with what we hope will be conversation and debrief about not one, two dubs for our ATL teams tomorrow. Absolutely. Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs>